Roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice, nice. Welcome to another edition of the Beer Garden, presented by Oxford Crystal. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, my good friend Neil Stratton of Inside the League, also a newly published author of uh, Scout Speak, thinking and talking about being an NFL evaluator that's available on Amazon. We'll talk to Neil about his book, about uh, scouting during COVID, what it might look like with some leagues playing, some leagues not, and then we'll talk some NFL. NFL opens two weeks from tonight, Chiefs and Texans, as hard as that is to believe. We're uh, almost to the NFL season. So we'll talk about all of those things with Neil Stratton in just a moment. First, let me tell you about the Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West in Oxford, right next door to the Oxford Exxon. It's open for drive through and delivery as well. Uber Eats, Grubhub, Waiter, DoorDash. Uh, they've got the uh, new Crystal fan swag proceeds, a portion of the proceeds benefiting the Crystal Foundation. So you can get your stuff there at Crystal. They also have the new Southern Style Chicken Strips. The um, <clears throat> excuse me, the fresh cracked egg biscuits sandwiches, the bacon egg and cheese biscuit, sausage egg and cheese biscuit, the new banana pudding shake, and more. All of that at Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West in Oxford, right next door to the Oxford Exxon. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what uh, Ford product you're looking for he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes and business hours right to the bottom line no hassle no haggle you get your quote and the rest is up to you you can shop that quote around you can do what i've done let's hop into a clark ford you'll love the service you'll love the product you'll love everything about Corey and the people at clark ford Corey wants to be your car guy he wants to be your truck guy he'll prove to you what that means when you call 662-257-1900 also joined uh or also Brought to you by, I should say, LB's Meat Market. My friend Greg Jones and the people at LB's, home to the freshest cuts in Oxford. They've got the fresh cut prime boneless ribeye, which is absolutely fantastic. They've got the uh, Lane Train specials, the uh, fillet, bacon wrap fillets, all of those there. Chicken, pork, seafood, um, the jalapeno poppers, stuffed mushrooms, plate lunches, the meatloaf. It's all that's all incredible. You can uh, call and have your order ready to go, 662-259-2999, or you can go in and browse around. Ask Greg what he recommends. Make sure you grab some sausages and that kind of thing. Tell Greg that you heard about LBs on the Beer Garden on any of our network of podcasts, and he'll throw a little something in your sack for you and make your trip to LBs, one that's already awesome, that much better. Also brought to you by Community Mortgage, located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga, it's 30 years old this year. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the Southeast. All of the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis. So you know you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's also the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. So ask Jason Lowe about Community's float down option, which allows you to lock in the current rate. But if rates go down before you close, you can get the lower rate. It's JLO, J-L-O-W-E, at communitymtg.com. Now here's... Neil Stratton of Inside the League. Neil Stratton of Inside the League joins us here on the podcast. Uh, I know that Hurricane Laura, the the hurricane, not my wife, uh, 
came came through and uh, it did not it did not bust Houston the way that some people had thought. It got got Louisiana a little bit, which I guess is a is is generally a good thing. You were hoping to get your lawn watered uh, on on the part by the, by Mother Nature that didn't happen. But I think all in all, that's probably a pretty good trade, Neil. Well, it's uh, it's a good trade for us. It's terrible for East Louisiana. I mean, West Louisiana, East Texas. I mean, sometimes I think Lake Charles is a gigantic magnet. Um, you know, somewhere recessed in the swamps over there that just attracts these things. And uh, you know, I haven't seen all the reports yet, but I figure Port, Port Arthur and Beaumont, Texas, probably got hit pretty hard. And obviously, it's gone up and and moved kind of north of where it came ashore. But uh, you know, prayers for those people because. My gosh, they seem to never be spared when it comes to this kind of stuff. Twenty twenty's been twenty twenty's been 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 a been a year. You can say that again. <laughs> it's been a year. Um, all right, so you just finished a book. You got a book out on Amazon. It's called Scout Speak: Thinking and Talking About Being an NFL Evaluator. I know this has been something you've been working on for a while. Uh, what was the process like? Well, you know. I kind of, like many people, I kind of found myself with some time on my hands in uh, April and May, in March and April. And so um, I had all these interviews and I had all these uh, videos and I had all these um, blog posts and what have you. And I wondered if there's enough there to really talk about the scouting profession because I've never seen a comprehensive book that really talks about what scouts do and how they work and how they're selected and hired and how they get fired and, and the jobs they do and how they evaluate players and all those kind of things. So I started sorting through and I needed about 40,000 words. And it turns out I had about 25 or 30. And so once I kind of got everything together, I started looking at, you know, what are some other things I want to explore? What are some other things that might be of interest to people? And so started making more phone calls and started talking about things and writing things and so we came up with about a 150-page book called Scout Speak, and essentially, you know, I think everyone, especially since the rise of fantasy football in the kind of late 80s, early 90s, and it's grown into a monster now, everyone secretly, everyone who's, who's a fan, fantasy football uh, artist and parson, whatever, secretly wishes they could be an NFL scout, because that's the one thing everyone wants to do is evaluate and tell you who's good and who's bad and, you know, play Mel Kuyper Jr., what have you. And so my hope is that this book will kind of shine a light on those people that are out doing that kind of stuff and allow people to know a little more about who they are, uh, where they come from, what makes them tick, all those kind of things. I'm uh, a pretty big fan of the industry myself, and I, I see the way these guys work and how little they get paid, rel relatively speaking. And uh, so I kind of want to do that for them, and, and I'm hopeful that this is a book that will answer a lot of questions and maybe dispel some crazy rumors and shed a little more, a little bit more light on it on a profession that's really pretty interesting. The book writing process, how how difficult was that? As someone, I, I, I say that because I get a lot of people that always ask me, especially now that I've gotten old and you know I'm, I'm <laughs> nearing death and and I'm approaching the the end of my career and. <laughs> People are always like, well, now that you're almost finished, I'm like, God, I'm only 50, man. I'm not. <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> Did you know something I don't know? Are these, are these people not your kids, Neil, or are these just other people that listen to on the radio? Well, just other people. My kids. Like, if I told my kids I was going to write a book, they'd be like, oh, my God, why? <laughs> you're so boring. <laughs> well, that would be my kids' reaction as well. But, uh, yeah, I didn't tell them. I didn't ask for permission, you know. 
but I always wonder because the, the whole writing of the process of writing a book to me, the idea of the process of writing a book is so intimidating that I, I just never, I never go, I, I never go further than the conversation that you and I are having right now. What was it like? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of this stuff, you know, I, I would go and, and whenever I go, I've got a pretty good habit. If there's one thing I do well, it's making sure I videotape stuff when I do it. And so I'll have, have these conferences and I'll, had these meetings and I'll have scouts come in and talk to people about the game and every single time I point a camera at them. So it's really easy to go in and get that stuff transcribed. Now there are services online that you can get for a reasonable cost to get every word printed out for you. And so, um, I started, I kind of started sorting back through all of the different, uh, transcriptions that I had and I found some pretty interesting comment, uh, content. And so, Really, for that first 25,000, maybe 30,000 words, it was just organizing it and finding out what questions my content answered and figuring out what questions it didn't answer so I could go around and maybe get those answers in another way. And so I guess I benefited from the fact that a lot of the content was already there. It just needed to be kind of reshaped, reformatted, and, and uh, organized in some form or fashion. And then after that, it was just a matter of, hey, let's go and write enough to kind of knit these together and maybe address some things that haven't been addressed and so it really wasn't that hard uh, i guess i benefited from the fact that a lot of the content was just kind of sitting around and i just had to go in and kind of put it in a, a presentable form more or less it's available on uh, kindle right now and it, you can also order on amazon you can have it uh you can have it to you here in the next week or so it's hard to believe we're this close to september i look at september and i think man september and then that's it's just like week a week away so uh, you can get the book. Again, it's uh, Scout Speak, Thinking and Talking About Being an NFL Evaluator. Again, it's on Amazon, Neil Stratton. That's N-E-I-L Stratton. Spells, sp Neil spells Neil the wrong spell way. Spell the right way. I spell the right way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, with, you, with me, it's a family name because my mother's maiden name was Neil. Okay. So you, you might just – You know what Neil means in, in uh, like Scottish Gaelic and stuff, right? I do not know. I'm afraid to know. It means champion. Really? Damn right it does. Well, I mean, they don't get them all right. I guess I'll, I'll still accept the name. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> no. so, I never thought of myself that way, but hey, I'll take it. Yeah, I, I hadn't won many championships. but. <laughs> um, all right, so you and I were talking about this a little bit. This college football season, it looks like it's, it's going to happen, at least in places. In some places, obviously, it's not. The Pac-12 is not going to play. The uh, Big Ten's not going to play. There's Mountain West, I think, is not going to play. Ivy League's not going to play. From a scouting standpoint, you know a lot of these scouts, obviously. You know a lot of these people in these front offices with NFL teams, and, 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 and the scouting process is a year-round sort of a deal. How is this going to impact the scouting when there are no games to impact, and I don't know what practices will look like. I mean, if you're a scout that works the Midwest, for example, there's no MAC, there's no Big Ten. You 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 don't do the swing where you go through Ball State and then Indiana and then Purdue and then Notre Dame. And mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they're working out, but you're not getting to see them practice. Certainly not practice in a typical game week setting. How's that going to impact? the way that scouting decisions are made from a professional football standpoint? Well, I think that there are three legs to the stool when you're talking about evaluation. Number one is character, background, off the field kind of stuff. Number two is just seeing them live 
seeing what kind of body type they have. See, I mean, every scout that I've ever known wanted to see a kid live over seeing him on TV, just seeing him in person. And then number three is film and actual performance in the games and that kind of thing. The, the film thing obviously is major because you've only, you're only going to have 2019 film for probably the kids that would make up normally a third to a half of the draft uh, by the time you figure in the Big Ten and the, and the Pac-12 and what have you. Um, I was at, <laughs> asked the scout yesterday, do you think that seeing this much film is going to make guys talk themselves out of players or talk themselves into players? Because when it's all you have and you wind up watching every game two or three times, maybe you know more than you need to know. He didn't know. He didn't, he didn't really have an answer for that. I guess we'll find out. Um, as far as body types, that's going to be something that, well, we still don't know what the All-Star game scenario is going to look like. Normally, that's kind of an addition. It's like a, the cherry on top of the evaluation process. This year, it could be bigger than ever because of, you know, because there is no football, and nobody knows exactly what that's looking like, and typically, these games are run on a shoestring, and they don't have the 800 grand it's going to take to test everyone on staff and make sure everyone's clean and what have you. Um, that's boring the, you know, some of the advances in testing and what have you, but um, it's going to be a pricey thing. And then the background comes in form of, of Zoom calls that, that scouts are having with schools regularly now. And the character thing is tricky because that's where your most senior scouts, your most veteran guys had the advantage because they've got the relationships and they've got, you know, they've been knowing guys. They can bump into a guy in the hall. That guy might give you a wink and a nod, where, whereas he can't really say anything about a player. That's going to be a really tricky part of all this as well, and no one knows exactly what direction that's going to take. So, um, you know, if you're in the game, it's a fascinating time to be part of it because there are so many variables. You know, there, there's talk of a spring league that's going to take place in Las Vegas in November that might feature some of these players that opt out, might feature players from the last draft class. Might be an XFL All-Star kind of league. Who knows? Um, you know, the Senior Bowl may take place in June. Um, the other All-Star games may as well. I mean, they, I think the rule is that the draft can be held as late as third week of June or something like that. So maybe they have the Senior Bowl then. The combine doesn't look like it's going to be able to be moved because there are so many contracts that are signed and so many reservations made in advance and all those kind of things. So... If there's a spring college football season, is this, does the combine take in those players? I don't know what the answer is there. So I wish I had a good answer for you. There will be a draft at some point. I don't know if, I mean, there's even discussion of expanding it. And I think that would have to be collectively bargained. But, um, you know, again, if, you, if you're the kind of person that loves the business of the game and the inner workings of it and, why, how, and why teams have advantages because of their ability to adapt and the vagaries of their scouting staffs and what have you, then this is a great time to be following the game because really no one knows. And schools are still so reluctant to bring people in, uh, scouts in, I should say, that um, you know, they've almost, they're almost a secondary part of the process now. It's a, it's a very unique time to be an NFL fan, that's for sure. Yeah, w one thing you're going to see with NFL, in my opinion, is you're going to see which organizations are sort of hardwired for success and which organizations are really susceptible to mistakes because it's, you're, it's going to be very easy 
even easier than it already is to make a mistake. It's going to be very easy to make mistakes, and it's going to be much more difficult than it's been in the past to make strong mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's really interesting that a lot of, not a lot of fans know is that uh, as the Patriots have had success, obviously it creates waves across the league and people want to copy their success. One way that the Patriots operate that a lot of teams didn't used to is they bring in young guys, fresh off the turnip truck, younger scouts, and they'll kind of develop them, but they really only want them to go out and get hard numbers, 40 times, weights, heights, um, arrest records, those kind of things. Bring it all home and let Big Bill make all the real decisions and his, you know, and his kind of star chamber of, of decision makers. That's not the way things used to be done. Used to NFL teams said, hey, we're going to hire these old ex-coaches, and they know everyone in their area, and they know how to evaluate players, and they're going to come back and tell us who we should draft. Most teams don't operate that way anymore. Most of them are kind of on that Patriots model, which means they've got a bunch of young guys who don't have those connections, and now they can't even go to the campuses and find out all these things that they used to be able to find out. So they're at a, if you've got a young staff, you're at a significant disadvantage over the teams like the Steelers, uh, like the Lions, believe it or not, like the Bills that have really invested in having senior guys that have been around the game and know lots of people and have the kind of network that scouts used to have. And so you may see them, you know, profit from that on draft now. They, now, again, is that going to show up in this season? Of course not. Is it going to show up in next season? Probably not. It may be three or four years down the road, but we may see the, that kind of a bounce just from schools, uh, teams that are better designed to handle this kind of a situation. All right. The uh, the league itself looks like the NFL's – I mean, I always thought the NFL would definitely play. I, sure. Um, no preseason games, which has changed the way that, that it feels. It's It's been a – I don't know about you, but it's been such a weird – camp slash preseason because you're used oh, yeah. to, you're used to an NFL preseason that has a couple weeks of camp two teams get together different places and they kind of scrimmage against each other and we'll see some scrimmage fights and stuff but they try some different things coaches that know each other and stuff that you know they'll script out a practice where hey we really want to work on third down hey we really want to work on first down we do this 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 that's all gone because of COVID the, pre, mm-hmm. the preseason games, the first game, no one pays any attention to. The second and third games, people pe- kind of watch. And then the last game, no one looks at. And then, boom, we get into the season. None of that this time either. It's just practice and camp and everybody being careful and all of that stuff. How do you think that, if at all, will impact the at least the start of the, of the season? Well, you know, the, the biggest issue to me – without having any preseason games is we still don't know, you know, what if they have tests? What if they test Drew Brees and he comes up uh, positive, um, you know, on the eve of, of their game against Tampa? And, and then what happens if they find out on Tuesday that he it was a false positive? I mean, they haven't done, without having preseason games, you don't have that dress rehearsal where you can really find out, okay, here's when we need to do this. Here's what happens when things go wrong. Here's what happens... You know, there's just a number of variables. And by eliminating the preseason, which really drove me crazy because I'm one of those weirdos that still believes there isn't a reason for the preseason. But when you get rid of that, then you take away all those dress rehearsals when you really need to figure out exactly how things need to be run. And so I think we're going to have some rocky times, especially in the first couple weeks, as we figure out, you know, kind of these new realities, these these new things that everyone has to deal with. I think it's going to be, 
I think, obviously, a lot of people got excited because they got rid of the preseason. That's been kind of a war cry for a lot of people in the media for years now. But I don't think, as far as the football itself, I think there's going to be a price to be paid for not having that preparation. Yeah, I do, too. I think the beginning of the season is going to look different. I think it has to. I mean, there's so many different, again, there's, we're, we're, I mean, we're not prepared for all these things. And, um, you know, I mean, college football is kind of going to be, I mean, is it going to be the leader this time? Because they're going to be starting after NFL. So it's, they're going to be, the NFL is going to be the guinea pig for a lot of this stuff. You know, it's funny. It's August the 27th as we tape this. And so the NFL season is two weeks, so two weeks from tonight. Chiefs and Texans are scheduled to open the season in Arrowhead. I think twenty percent capacity. At the college level, it's it's obviously the product that we're used to is going to look and sound so different because we're used to marching bands and all of that stuff. At the NFL level, do you anticipate that the product's going to look and sound a lot different with with stadiums that are only partially full? Well, I think it's. I think the play is going to be affected. Honestly, I think. I think there is a home field advantage, especially in places like, you know, Arrowhead and Superdome and, and in Seattle and what have you. And teams are, that have traditionally benefited from that won't benefit from it. As far as the play on the field, I mean, you watch an NBA game, you watch a Major League Baseball game. It's a little different without fans, but it's not radically different as far as the play. But I, I think it might be felt more by the players than it is by your garden variety TV viewer. That's just my opinion. All right, let's talk about some of the teams themselves. Obviously, the Chiefs come off a, a Super Bowl win, and uh, Patrick Mahomes is looks like the face of the league, along with Lamar Jackson. How difficult will it be for the Chiefs to repeat? Well, I think they've got all their ducks in a row, and, and um, I guess as I discuss, uh, say almost every time we're on here, the, the way the rules are set up right now, if you've got uh, a a passer who's got some ability and a, uh, a progressive passing attack, you've got a real advantage in the league right now. And I think the addition of Clyde Edwards Hilaire is interesting. And uh, he's probably a player that didn't get as much hype in the pre-draft process as maybe what he deserved. And so I think the Chiefs, you know, they're in a great situation. The Ravens are interesting. I give them a lot of credit for making the choice for culture over talent with Earl uh, Thomas. I, I got to admit, I'm pretty surprised about it, but um, maybe there's more to that story than we know, given the fact that the Cowboys who I, you know, cleared cap space the, the moment he was free um, still haven't signed him and don't seem to be all in on him. So um, yeah, I think it's really interesting to, to see how this is going to develop. And you know, I do like the chiefs and the Ravens, the chiefs are, uh, probably a little ahead of everyone else, but there are some interesting teams in the AFC right now. Let's talk about them. If I told you somebody besides the Chiefs won the AFC, who would be the two or three teams you'd, you'd talk about? Well, the Ravens, I think, are in the conversation for sure. Um, you know, the Titans are interesting, too. I mean, it really impressed me how everyone knew what the Titans were going to do, and they still couldn't stop them last year for the most part. I mean, a team that is physical and runs between the tackles and is able to take advantage of those Mike Ly and those Sam and Will linebackers that are really more like blowing up box safeties now, and you can just go and impress your will upon a team. NFL teams aren't built like that anymore to, to you know to, to play like they did in the sixties and the seventies when everything was between the tackles. So maybe the Titans, by being kind of old school, are really one of the more progressive teams out there. I'm not a big fan of Ryan Tannehill, 
and I think they have a few issues on defense, but I think, but I do like Mike Vrabel. I think he is a really aggressive coach, and I think the players believe in him, and I think the needle's pointing up for that franchise right now. I, I think that the NFC South has some really great coaches in it. I, I mean, notwithstanding the fact that Bill O'Brien is a little, a little hard to get to uh, get along with, I think he's a really good coach. I think Frank Reich is a really good coach. I mean, I think they've done some good things there. Um, and I think you're going to see that. And I mean, I think there's going to be two teams that come out of the South that will make the playoffs, a wild card game as well as the Titans. You know, it's so funny for years and years. I mean, literally, what, 15 years when you have an AFC conversation, it, it starts with the Patriots. You know, you it, it just does. You go, what, can anybody knock the sure. Patriots off? And, and now sure. t- Tom Brady's not there. They've had a lot of guys opt out. I don't think people are talking about them anywhere near as much as we're used to to hearing about the Patriots in the preseason. Is there any chance they surprise? You know, I have a lot of respect for Cam Newton, but I'm not sold on that move for them. I think Cam Cam's uh, Cam wins because of his mobility and his ability to get around, and those less frank injuries don't always come back the way you'd like for him to, and. Cam's not a lightweight. I mean, he's got to have the speed, obviously, like any any big big player does. And um, you know, will Belichick be able to adapt his offense to take advantage of the strengths that Cam Newton has? And does he even still have those strengths? I don't know what the answer is there. I I am I'm not sold on the Patriots' chances this year. And you know, the fact that they've lost some key players to opt outs, I think this is going to be vulnerable. I mean, they could be an eight and eighteen this season. Yeah, I think that actually could be worse. I'm with you on, on Newton, by the way. He just – that is a difficult injury to come back from. And you watch NBA guys come back from it, and typically the ones that are successful are super fit. I mean, they're, like, really live and, you know, they're long and, and lean and, and super, super athletic. And even then, like, look at Kevin Durant. It took him a little while to completely get past that. And no one will ever accuse Kevin Durant of being beefy. Um, <laughs> Cam Cam's a big boy. I mean, you know, I mean, he he's not skipping his meals, and I'm not saying he's fat, right. but but no, no. there's but there's weight on him, and and you wonder about the wear and tear on on a foot over the course of a season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's his game is unique, and part of it is that he is you know when you're inside when he's inside the five in the red zone, pretty much everyone knows where it's going. I mean, and that and you can't be a 180 pounder to, to play that kind of game. He's, and if you take that away from him to where you're just going to ask him to sit in the pocket solely and maybe avoid the rush, that's not his game either. I mean, you've got to have that dual threat nature to things. Uh, that's Cam Newton's game, and and I don't know that he still has that game given the foot injury. All right, let's go to the uh, to the NFC. I'm always interested with the NFC East, the the Cowboys and the Giants and the Eagles, and of course the 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 Washington Football Team. Um, <laughs> how many times do you think announcers are going to screw that up and talk about the Redskins? I mean, it's just so funny to hear. It, it's been the Redskins for so long. I, I do I do empathize with like their broadcast crew. What's left of it? Because <laughs> you know they're so used to like you know, touchdown Redskins or hey it's fumble oh, yeah. Redskins have it and, and you can't call them that. Just so is the song now a hail to the Washington football team? How, how does that go? I'm, hail to the Washington yeah. football team. Yeah, okay. it's it's a lot. It's it's a lot uh, of bonus syllables there. Yeah, it's gonna require it's gonna require a rewriting of the lyrics. 
<laughs> H-T-T-W-F-T, I guess is how it goes there. All right. Um, the Cowboys and, and Dak Prescott, that relationship has to be strained, right? Well, one would think, I think that eventually the Cowboys have to to pull the trigger on that, but yeah, I would say it's strained. Um, it doesn't mean it's that they can't come back from it, but I got to tell you, I think Jerry Jones is kind of between a rock and a hard place. I like Dak as a player. I, I love his character and his leadership and all those kind of things. I mean, he's to me, he's kind of got a little Brett Favre in him, but the results are that they haven't gone very far in the playoffs with him there, and ultimately, that's what Maddie, matters to Jera. And I think that's probably one reason why you haven't seen him reset the, the market. I mean, I again, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Dak, but I don't know if he's the kind of guy that I reset the market with. I, I get that it's a function of the time when he comes up and all those kind of things, but that is a big old pill to swallow. And, and you know, what if something were to happen to a Zeke? What if something were to happen to a Dak and he's not the same player in two or three years? I don't know if I make the kind of investment in him that, the Chiefs have made in Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, do you stretch it out? Do you make? Do you try to make it a shorter deal, but with bigger numbers? I don't know. It's a real pickle for them. The Giants. Uh, Eli Manning has retired. It's Daniel Jones's team. Saquon Barkley, uh, maybe the best running back in the league, but mm-hmm. feels like there's a lot of work to get done in New York for them to become a contender again. I think they've got a long way, and and you know we have to see if the Joe Judge model is going to work. I mean, he's he seems like a real old schooler. He's kind of bringing the fear of God to those guys. And uh, that works in college. I don't know if it works in the NFL as much, perhaps, as maybe it did even 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, talking about hitting your quarterback in practice and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Joe, man, I mean, this is not, this is not, you know, Oxford High School here. I mean, you, you, yeah. this is, this is a different deal. That's the face of your franchise. There's a lot of money invested in him. Yeah. Getting him yeah. getting him bumped around a little, I don't know, man. I think I'd be a little careful with that. Well, yeah. I mean, that's obviously that you're, that's your you're kind of your prized possession aside from Saquon. And um, I get that he's trying to establish a, a personality and a toughness in the culture and trying to instill that Patriots, I guess, way with the team. But he's got to be careful with his steps there because – were something like that to happen, if you were to lose Daniel Jones in a meaningless practice, that mean his, his honeymoon will be over in New York. And that is obviously a, a unique place to be coaching, especially when you're a first-year guy. No doubt. Um, NFC North is always interesting. feels like the Packers' window is closing. Vikings have a good team. The Bears, it's Trubisky or Foles at quarterback. And then... Matthew Stafford's not getting any younger, and the Lions, they just never can get over the hump. The NFC North, I mean, it's kind of anybody's for the taking because there's no great team in it, right? Right. Yeah, I think that I'm a big believer in Mike Zimmer, and I think that one way or another, he gets them, gets the most out of the team. And so I like the Vikings there. I, I agree with you that the Packers' window is closing, maybe faster than we think. I, I mean, I, everyone, everything that I've read says Aaron Rodgers has, has had a really nice camp, but the fact remains is he just, it really is a bit of a head-scratcher that they didn't invest not one pick in his wide receiver core, and look like they're ready to move move forward. Um, 
I think that uh, that's probably the kind of thing that gets the competitive juices flowing for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how long he's there long term, but I think this year at least he should be an effective player. I still think the Vikings won that division, but I think the Packers make it as a wild card. Who wins that Bears job? Is it Trubisky or do you think it's Foles? I think it's Foles. I think they just got to swallow hard and admit, you know, that uh, they took the wrong quarterback that year. Um, really, really blew the call there. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, I think Foles takes it. If, if for no other reason that he's a safer guy, and I think he makes fewer mistakes, and hopefully they can get through, and that their defense still has enough juice to where they can compete for a wild card spot. Uh, I think it's. I do think that it's. I, I don't know. I just think Foles is a, is a safer guy, and I think that's probably why they do it. We talk about windows closing all the time, and it, we, we've said this about the Saints for a while, but it feels like it's really real now. I mean, Breeze. What's he? He's forty. Uh, you know, the the, the 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 time for him to win a second title feels like it's now or never. Mm-hmm. I think they're the best team in that division. The Falcons are good. The Panthers are getting better. The Buccaneers appear to be improving, and we got Tom Brady in the division now. It still feels like it's the Saints' division to win, but the the, yeah. the margins closing on them. I agree, and I think I mean I would be shocked if, if we see Drew in twenty twenty one. I think everyone's kind of got that lined up. He's got his cushy broadcast position waiting for him. And But, I mean, I'll give him credit. I, my understanding is that he is going out with guns blazing. He worked on his arm strength in the offseason and really kind of wants to, wants to prove that he's still got his best fastball. And uh, I think the Saints have a lot going for him. They've got, uh, you know, good players at key positions. They're still relatively young in some of the, the positions around the, around the team, both on offense and defense. I think... They've got a lot of opportunity. They've got a good opportunity to win that division, notwithstanding the fact that the Bucks have reloaded and have some, obviously, Tom Brady and, and Gronkowski and some, some nice players there. But I still think the Saints are loaded enough to win that division, and I think certainly have the talent to go to the Super Bowl. You know, will they run into a surprise along the way? Anything can happen. Certainly anything did happen last year, but I think they've still got a good chance to come out of the NFC as the, uh, as the champion. Then you mentioned the Seahawks earlier, talking about their crowd. I love their team. Uh, DK DK Metcalf from right here in Oxford played at Ole Miss. It was a perfect fit with Russell Wilson. Just like you said that he would be a year ago when we talked. You you thought DK had a chance to, to have a breakout season. You thought he was a perfect fit with Russell Wilson, and he was. Uh, the Rams are still a very good team. The Cardinals are improving. The The Niners were very good a year ago. This this is kind of the antithesis of the NFC North. This is a wild division. Mm-hmm. And the Seahawks are going for it. I mean, you saw what they gave up for Jamal Adams to try to recreate that Legion of Boom. Uh, I think the key to the season for, that, for them this year is their running games. Chris, can Chris Carson stay healthy? Can the other backs give him enough if, they, if, he, if not to – being to give them you know, the weapons that they need to take some of the heat off Russell Wilson. I think Wilson could be your MVP this year. I think he's a. I still think that his his best season could be ahead of him, even though he's had some outstanding seasons previously. They, they they're a team with a lot of momentum, and and you know obviously the Super Bowl champ, the Super Bowl, uh, the NFC champion came out of their division. But I still think the Seahawks win that. I think they. I just think they're strong across the board, and I'm pretty big Pete Carroll fan, and so I think the Seahawks are in a pretty good place right now. I Certainly, again, I'm not trying to take any shots to the 49ers. They're incredibly talented 
team. They've drafted very well. They've got an incredible offensive mind as head coach. But I think the Seahawks are just a tick better than them this year. So let me see if I've got this right. If you had to pick, I'll make you pick a Super Bowl matchup. I'll let you have two from the AFC and two from the NFC. So you can have a pool of two in the AFC, a pool of two in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. What would you go with? I'm going to say Chiefs and Titans for the AFC. Wow, and Titans. I, yeah, I do like, I really like what they're doing. I really like the energy and I really like the momentum. I think that they, I think they proved some things in the playoffs and I think they're going in the right direction. Plus, you don't want me to just give you chalk, Neil. I mean, come on. I mean, anybody can just say the, the Chiefs and the Ravens, right? Um, I'd rather stick my neck out because I'm, I'm often wrong. And anyone but, but you know what? The, on probably the, knows that. On the, huh? on the Ravens, what's interesting is, is everyone says chalk, but they've had a couple of really disappointing playoff performances that make you say, well, I don't know that the Ravens are chalk. Like, I, I, and here's the thing. I love Lamar Jackson. I think, sure. I think he is, uh, he's such a charismatic person. He's so fun to cheer for. I love to watch him play, and he lights the regular season on fire. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to pin their playoff losses on him. But that's how the NFL works, yeah. fairly or not, right? Absolutely. We, we pin playoff victories on quarterbacks, and we pin playoff losses on quarterbacks. And Lamar Jackson had a couple, of, especially the one most recently, kind of shaky playoff performances in much the same way that Drew Brees has the last couple of years where you're like, so, you you know, for me, when someone says Ravens or Saints and someone goes, oh, you're just picking chalk, I'm like, I don't know that you're picking chalk because <laughs> because if, if I'm if I'm going with the Ravens right now, I'm like, man, I really feel like they're going to get there. Like, to the to, you know, they're going to win the, their, their division. They're going to be in great shape going into the playoffs. And I do think that, but I have a hard time shaking those playoff performances in much the same way that I think the Saints are going to win the NFC South, but I'm having a hard time forgetting that kind of two years in a row and everybody talks about calls and stuff, but they didn't play great in those games. Right. Yeah, I would agree. And, um, I mean, the the Rams game, and they probably win. Maybe they don't with that call. I don't know. The Vikings game, to me, they were lucky to be as close as they were. I mean, they just came out flat and, and to me, acted like they just didn't want to be there and were kind of pissed that they didn't get the first round by and kind of were feeling sorry for themselves. I think you're right about the chalk thing, but, you know, then again, they, these these teams, like the Ravens, like the Saints, they could a couple good breaks, and they could easily be winners. I mean, people forget that the Niners were ahead in the third quarter. Right? Yeah. I mean, the, the coronation of Patrick Mahomes has been almost unabated for the last two or three months, but he was looking like, I mean, he was going down to defeat until a couple good things happened for him, and they weren't necessarily all of his doing. So I'm not taking anything away from Patrick Mahomes. It's just such a funny game, and, the cliche is it's a game of inches. It really is. And sometimes those inches can determine whether you're perceived as a guy that chokes in the playoffs or a guy that is a winner. So you got Chiefs, Titans in the AFC, and I assume Saints, Seahawks in the NFC? Yeah, Saints, Seahawks, just a, a, an ad, a little bit above the 49ers. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going to go with those two teams. I just think they've got – all their all the momentum's going in the right direction for them. They've got the talent that they need. They've made the moves in the offseason that they need to make, and they're ready to roll. Well, listen, man, I really appreciate the time. I hope the book uh, goes well. I hope the, the sales go well. Again, it's uh, called Scout Speak. 
Thinking and Talking About Being an NFL Evaluator by Neil Stratton. You can get it on Amazon. You can download it to your Kindle today. Have it delivered to you uh, very early September, I think it says, but you can get it by September the 3rd. If you uh, if you get it today, you can get it in paperback at uh, twelve ninety five there on Amazon. So best of luck with that. I hope it goes super, and I hope to visit with you soon. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you having me on as always. Talk to you soon. Our thanks to Neil for his time today on the Beer Garden. Uh, the plan is to come back next week, and um, I don't know whether it's more NFL, previewing some college football, actually getting started next week. Uh, we could talk baseball, depending on what's going on with that season. The NBA playoffs, it looks like, will resume at some point in the next few days uh, after a day, as, as two days of, uh, of postponements and NBA planning to resume. Just a lot to get to, a lot of weird, disheartening things going on in the sports world, but uh, a lot of good things to talk about as well as football gets closer and closer and closer. So we'll be back next week with another edition of the Beer Garden brought to you by Oxford Crystal. Until then, take care.